normally the theme of this podcast. It's called Mango Time. Mm-hmm. And the theme is that we drink mango juice. Except I went to JCM and one single like like box of mango juice uh-huh. is eight dollars. Yeah, no, it's fine. I understand financial difficulties. Yeah, okay. so I'm like, we've got water. Water is good. Water is good for good for the soul. It is. So joining me today on today's Mango Time is Shamik Dabir. He is working under Shri Preston Kulkarni, who is running in the 22nd District of Texas in the House of Representatives against Pete Olson. That's right. Um, how did you get that job, by the way? Um, get that job is a overstatement. It was not a job. It was an unpaid internship. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, so I, I was really interested in political stuff coming to America mm-hmm. um, and I was keen on finding candidates that I could work for over the summer because um, my plans for the summer didn't go through and I was like I was, I'm going to be home I uh, might as well find something to do something worthwhile to do and it was just my luck that we had this amazing Democrat running for Congress from my district mm-hmm. um, so I sent them my resume um, and they were like yeah come on board um, but the bigger thing was that he's a former UT alum. He's a UT, UT, UT alum, uh, Plan 2 alum. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a connection that we both had. Okay, cool. So you've talked to him personally. Like, oh, yeah. One. Oh, oh, cool. Yeah, definitely. Cool. So you said you're not, you weren't born in America, right? Uh, no. Where were no. you originally? So um, I was born in Mumbai. I lived there for eight years. Then we moved to Singapore for six years. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we moved to England for two years. Then we moved here three years ago. Uh, so I came to America at the start of my junior year of high school. Okay, so what got you interested in American politics? Uh, when I moved here, it was 2015, mm-hmm. uh, the Republican primary debates were happening. Right. And I thought it was a complete shit show. Um, and I, it was, <laughs> American politics is a wildly fascinating thing, at least to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was sitting in our little hotel, uh, when we first moved, and I was watching the Republican debates, I thought, this is interesting. Um, so I ended up, uh, you know, volunteering on the Hillary Clinton campaign, uh, specifically working with the Fort Bend County Democrats. Oh, wow. Uh, when I first okay. moved, um, I started calling up people, making sure they voted, um, all that stuff. And that really got me, get my foot in the door. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought this is something that I would like to keep doing. And that's yeah, how I got awesome. involved. So you're majoring currently in? Plan 2 honors and business undeclared. Okay, cool. And you're, you're, I've talked to you earlier and your plan is to go into law. Uh, yes, law school okay. is on the table. So what was the job again? You said that you worked for under um, the internship. What was the uh, title again? Uh, so they didn't give me a formal, t- formal title, um, okay. but basically I was a communications intern um, because I wrote a lot of uh, questions, like I answered a lot of questionnaires, a lot of, uh, um, rec- what do you call those? Uh, um, endorsement uh, letters. Okay. And so like if... Joaquin Castro wanted to send a tweet about Shri, he wouldn't compose it himself, mm-hmm. right? I, I, we, the interns would compose so it. You guys would com- compose that. Yeah, okay, yeah. Cool. So so it was really cool because Joaquin wanted it by 5 p.m. and we heard about it like half an hour before mm-hmm. <laughs> and we were all struggling. Okay, okay, here's what we need in the tweet. So we wrote the tweet, send it to Joaquin at 5 p.m. It's out. It's like, wow. We, we wrote that and it's on his Twitter getting all these likes. So you're in charge of the, like, you guys were in charge of the communications. I aspect. mean, yeah, yeah. The interns were, yeah. That's absolutely. a big deal. Like, that's it a is. Big it, job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The interns were very capable. Like, they, uh, uh, very well qualified people and there were a few interns who could write very well. Um, mm-hmm. So we were the ones who, you know, wrote the questionnaires and answered all these questions. Uh, 
doing the best we can to give Shri's perspective on these things. And obviously, it, it went up the chain. You know, we wrote it first, and then the campaign manager looked at it, and Shri looked at it afterwards. Um, but yeah, we started with us. So you'll be going back to uh, Katie to vote, I'm assuming, right? <laughs> I can't vote. <laughs> oh, right, right. Okay. Not, uh, yes. This is the most ironic thing ever. <laughs> no, because I was, you know uh, Rohit Vaidula, right? Yes. I was talking to him. We're working on a project. We're also trying to get people to register. Yeah. And I said, like, look, the catch here is that you guys have, like, from your perspective, you guys have an opportunity to vote. You guys have an opportunity to get involved in this process. Mm-hmm. We like Rohit and you. You guys don't have this opportunity yet, right? No. So, because I saw your Instagram story this morning, right? And yeah. you said I don't have this opportunity. I forgot about that. I feel like I don't have this opportunity. Yeah. You guys do. How are you gonna approach someone to vote when they ask you also, like, but you're not a U.S. citizen? Yeah, I'm gonna tell them I'm not a citizen, but I would give up my left arm to be able to vote. Right. Like that's how much voting means to me. Being able to vote in the United States of America is a privilege that people don't really understand and mm-hmm. um and they don't see the consequences of their like the vast implications their voting can have because you are electing senators you're electing congressmen right. these are some of the most powerful people on the planet mm-hmm. um and the senator you vote for in senate can make all these decisions that affect not just america but the world you know mm-hmm. um and that's that's really important to me because I've seen firsthand how American politics influences the world, um, and I know America can be the leader that the, is the leader that the world needs. But you know, it comes by voting for the right people. And that's another thing is I talked to, um, like I was getting talking to, to some people trying to get them to vote, and first question is like, you know, are you a fan of what is currently going on in American politics, right? And they say no. And my, then my follow-up question is, are you registered to vote? And they're like, no. And then or I say, like, do you like, you know, Trump's policies? And they're like, no. Like, you know, they swear and like, I hate this guy and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, are yeah. you registered? Oh, no, I don't really care. So my thing, my frustration there was like, how can you say these statements, get on Twitter, like completely bad, yeah. like, say terrible yeah. things about this president. Yeah, and then and not. And then not register yeah. to vote and you're a U.S. citizen. Like, it just. It boggles my mind. Me. It really, really does. Because I was in, I was in a meeting with these people, and, and there were and Rohit and Abrar, and they were all telling me like, "Hey, look, we're we're trying to get people to register." Except the thing is, it's like they care, but they don't care enough. I'm like, "What is that? What like what what does that mean?" Like, I think it's easy to go on social media and shit on whoever you like. Right. That's the easiest thing you can do. Everybody does it, um, but voting is effort. You know, like you mm-hmm. have to register to vote and Texas doesn't make it any easier for you to actually register to vote they're just really I I didn't know about this until recently uh, but Texas just makes it so difficult to register to vote right um, why do we have that deadline because October 9th is just today I don't know I don't know is a deadline but like I went, looked at Illinois policies right yeah they don't have their deadline isn't a month prior to the actual election day I don't know man I don't know these laws I have no idea where they come from so that's what my follow up is like when you have President Obama coming out now, right, saying, mm-hmm. like, you guys need to be frustrated at everybody, like, you guys need to vote, the voter turn so low out of, yeah, like, yeah. a lot of the developed countries. My thinking is, yes, you have early voting and you have, you know, Election Day, right? But Election Day is November 6th. Yeah. yeah. That is a Tuesday. It is, what, 8 to 6 p.m., right? Yeah. Most people are working. Well, so should yeah. the approach here be that we need to look at the way we change the voting day and make it more comfortable for people? We need to look at that, definitely. Okay. And we also have early voting. Um, right, that's uh, 22nd to the 2nd, right? Right, okay. yeah. Uh, so we, we do have early voting. 
Uh, but election day, yeah, it'd be so much nicer if it was on a weekend. Um, and there's all these different laws that require you to have these kind of IDs to mm-hmm. vote, this and that. And it's it's not helping. It's really not. The, is that a lawnmower? I don't know, man. We're on the 12th floor. I like how we're on the 12th floor. I don't think can... that's a lawnmower. I hope not. What was that? Anyways. It's just... It could be a type of bird. No. No, it's just Jester West doing its thing. <laughs> Alright, so... Okay, because you said you mentioned early voting, right? And I agree that like that includes the weekend, 22nd to 2nd. It's a huge... Yeah. It's a 10-day... It's a... Is it a, more than this 11-day period, right? I think so. I'm not, sh- not entirely sure. But I still feel like we can make it a little bit easier for workers to actually get there. Or like, So what... Do you have any suggestions on how we could possibly make it easier for voters? So actually, Texas has a law that requires high schools to register uh, all eligible voters. Okay. And high schools don't do that. Texas high schools do not register their voters. Voters. Did you get registered in Seven Lakes? No. Exactly. Right. So um, first of all, let's let's follow through on this one law that high schools register their students to vote. Mm-hmm. Um, and secondly, get automatic registration. Uh, I think. It was in England that you have automatic registration. Uh, it was really funny because when we moved to England, um, <laughs> we have Indian citizenship, right? And it turns out in England, anybody who's part of the Commonwealth can vote in British elections. Right. So my parents voted <laughs> in the English elections. And it was, I thought it was the funniest thing ever, uh, using the Indian passport. And they had automatic registration. Um, uh, so that's one thing we can do. So what, what do you think is holding us back from like looking at this problem? Like, Are we looking at this problem enough? Do you think? Um, we definitely are, but we've got to elect right people. So from what I've seen, uh, Republicans don't win <laughs> when there's a huge voter turnout. Yeah. Um, Democrats do. Mm-hmm. And it's... I, I, hate, I hate to say this, but I think Republicans are suppressing the vote because they realize when the black population comes out to vote, when the minority population comes out to vote, when the young population comes out to vote, mm-hmm. they're going to lose. So they make it as hard as possible for these people to vote. Um, right. So... I think it's a it's a cycle. You you have one election cycle where you elect Democrats to office, and these Democrats will expand voting for everybody, and that could lead to a more mm-hmm. just and sustainable system. I think. So, coming back to the um, working working or interning under Cole Carney, right? How was that experience? Like meeting other people. It was wonderful. Because I know, I remember when I was at the Beto um, O'Rourke yeah. town hall, you came down with the clipboard. Yeah. You were getting to yeah. Have you been able to talk to, like, people and also people who are unsure about whether or not this is the guy that they want to vote for? For Shri, you mean? For Shri, yes. Um, so the thing is, most of the events I was at, um, these were all, like, fundraisers. These were all, like huge campaign events where the people who would show up are Shri supporters. Okay. Um, and sure, many of them were like, you know, undecided, but most of them were on board with Shri. Um, and so even at a better rally, if you were at a better rally, you're more likely to be a Democrat. Mm-hmm. Um, you're more likely to be who's, someone who's politically engaged. Right. Um, so you're more likely to know about Shri. Many of them didn't, which scared me. I was like, you are living in this district. How do you not know about Shri, but you know about Beto? That's annoying um <laughs> please please make sure you vote for Shri. Right. so um yeah the people i spoke to i didn't really speak to uh republicans who uh you know who are undecided or who are not gonna vote for pete olsen 
Um, and I think I spoke to Sri about this actually. Um, he said that our math checks out. That if we get the minority vote to turn out, like if we get all the Asians to vote, all the mm-hmm. Hispanics, all the blacks to vote, um, we are gonna win this election. And I completely agree, we will. Um, but my frustration was that we should also be talking to Republicans. Like, right? Exactly. Yeah. We, we should be talking to these people mm-hmm. who are tired of partisan politics. And I'm sure we can get a handful on board. But the thing is, it takes money. It takes money to okay. go out and canvas with these people. Who takes money to like actually reach out to these people? And our former field director, Liz, she was telling me about this. She was like, "We might as well set a pile of cash on fire. Like, there's no need. Mm-hmm. It, it's so redundant to go out and try to convince these people because they're never going to get convinced." And she might be right, but I just I just feel like it's worth trying, you know. Like yeah. it's 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 you shouldn't give up on half the population who you know are gonna vote Republican. Right. No, I I completely agree with that. And my I think follow my follow up question would be, what would you say to people who are against the policies you're advocating for, or unsure of them, if you were to talk to them? Well, you see, people. From what I have seen, people mm-hmm. don't usually get convinced on policy issues. Like, sure, okay. there's, there's, there's most, a lot of people, you know, they're like, oh, he is um, uh, for universal health care. I don't, ha- I hate universal health care. I'm not going to vote for him. Okay. But how do you plan on reaching how- to the Republican voters? Then? Right, right. So think about these kind of campaigns is that you are running on a set of values, right? Right. Po- policy is almost secondary. So Shri's platform was reason, compassion, and decency, which sounds like okay. empty buzzwords, right? Mm-hmm. Reason, compassion, yeah. and decency. But, but then you actually talk to these voters about these three things. Like, okay. we need reasonable people in Congress, mm-hmm. uh, people who can work across the aisle, and then you cite Shri's record in being bipartisan. Uh, we need decent people, obviously. We don't need the kind of madness we're seeing out of the White House, out of these all these Republicans who are, you know, giving up their basic conservative values to follow Trump. Uh and we need compassion, obviously. Uh, so you talk about these three things. You tell people that Shri, when he was at Harvard, he uh, started this thing called Breaking Bread with his Republican friend where they would uh, have little groups uh, talk about why they were conservative or why they were liberal and come to some kind of common ground, you know, understand the other person. Put so a the face- politics he's talking about is the types of politics you saw in the Senate and the House in like the 70s and the 80s where... It was a little bit more, I think. I would think so, yeah. Like, yeah. I'm not entirely sure how it was, like, how, how it was right. like in the 70s and 80s, but <laughs> it's probably better than what it is now. Because so, Ted yeah. Kennedy used to say, like, it used to be that moment where you would get into, like, heated arguments yeah. with um, his colleagues, his Republican colleagues, and yeah. then, you know, 10 minutes later, they're getting lunch together. Yeah, they're, see, that's... They're, they're going to each other's houses and having dinner. That doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. So, yeah. I think... But my question there is, this is... You're, if you're making this a campaign about values, right? Yeah. What is working now in 2018, and what is what did not work in Hillary's 2016 campaign? Because that campaign was also a little bit about values, more than it was about. The was policy. it though? Was it about values? Think about that. Like, well, I, she made it about values. Because yeah, I know. Because, but <sighs> look, in hindsight, I can criticize the Hillary camp- Hillary campaign all I want, but when it was running, I thought it was doing just fine. Like, I I thought. You know, all the polls showed she was going to win, and I was like, okay, she's a reasonable, you know, the most qualified human being to run for president. She's going to win. But now, looking back in hindsight, there's so many things she could have done better. Um, I haven't thought about this in a while, but... Like, what's working now, and what didn't work then? Um, 
What do you mean by working now? Because we haven't had this term okay, yet. Okay, so what I saw from, like, this is my personal opinion, personal take on it, right? Yeah. yeah. Is that first um, was the qualification thing, right? Yes, qualification totally matters. Yeah. But o- President Obama had four years in the Senate. Before that, he was a state senator, right? I think it was two years in the Senate. He was elected in 2004. Okay, I so could be wrong when he it. decided to run, it was like maybe two to three years experience right, mm, in mm, the in the Senate. Mm. But that was my point. He ran against Hillary Clinton then, right? Mm-hmm. He won. Mm-hmm. When you campaign for someone, basically saying, and when you are you also campaigning saying, it's all, it's about qualification, right? Yeah. My issue there is the campaign's more about what the people owe the candidate rather than what the candidate owes the people. It needs to be more about what the candidate kind of like. Is going to give the people. Yes. You know? Yeah. So, my issue there is that the camp, and this is what Beto, I think, is doing right. He, yeah. He's saying this is not a campaign, this is not an anti Trump campaign. Yeah, it's not an anti Cruz campaign, it's a pro Texas campaign. It's a pro Texas campaign. And I yeah. think a little bit of Clinton's, and you said, like, you thought she was doing fine, right? Yeah. When I was watching it, I wasn't a little, I wasn't too sure. Whenever she got the nomination and she went against Trump, it was a little bit more of an anti-Trump campaign. It was. Like Biden said, like Obama said afterwards, you weren't really sure what was she was or her campaign was running for. Yeah, Uh, I completely agree. Like when you think of Trump, what are the what's the first thing you think of when you think of Trump? MAGA, right? Mm -hmm. Make America Great Again. You have this catchy slogan. Exactly. What was Hillary's? I'm with her. I'm with her. Exactly. That's that's. Pathetic. Because Obama he, had hope, he had forward. Yeah, you know? it's it's more of a let's do this rather than yeah. give me this. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it, it, <laughs> I'm with her. That's it makes it all about her. It was not a pro America campaign. It was mm-hmm. a anti Trump campaign, and I guess that's one of the reasons she lost. Do you think that there people are talking about this whole blue wave, right? Yeah. From your opinion, from your like, do you think there is a blue wave? I think probably. more Democrats will definitely be elected to Congress, at least the House. Okay. Um, I have a good feeling that because the House is projected like, to go blue. Is that yes, correct? Yes, it okay. is projected to go blue by like, all these different metrics. Um, people like MJ Hagar, she's running all these incredible ads. Like her ad went viral, right? Remember right. her first ad, mm-hmm. the one about the doors? Yeah. That was an incredible ad. She raked in millions of dollars. You don't know how badly I wished we could have run an ad like that. <laughs> <laughs> like I was one of the one of my friends. Uh, he was an intern on. MJ's campaign and he was telling me that <laughs> I was doing financial research but I really didn't have to do anything because mm-hmm. we had raised all this money we had to raise because of this one ad so I was just sitting there doing nothing um, and I was like oh I'm sorry dude <laughs> um, but yeah so people like MJ I'm really excited for people like Colin Allred uh, running against Pete Sessions he is running a phenomenal campaign mm-hmm. uh, people like Shree um, I think Shree's got a good chance uh, okay. Colin's got a good chance MJ's got a good chance so if we can get Democrats elected from Texas, just think about all these Democrats from outside of Texas, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely think there's going to be... House is going to flip. Uh, the question is the Senate. The Senate, right. So in the past election, ages 18 and 29 have had the lowest voter turnout, and this has been a known fact and has been brought up intensely this election cycle. So from your personal experience now working under Kulkarni, why do you think this is the case? Um... So, I'll be honest. Um, the people I've surrounded myself with, they're usually the incredibly civically minded people. So I mm-hmm. haven't had a chance, much of a chance, to talk to people who are totally apathetic. Most of my friends are, you know, civically engaged. Uh, they're all about reaching out to people. They're all about voting and, um, you know, knowing about all these issues. 
Uh, but I do realize that a large segment of the population doesn't vote, doesn't care. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've tried our best to reach out to them. Uh, but I think this time it's going to be different. I, I'm sure we say that every time, but I genuinely feel that this time with Beto, it's going to be different. Because I have a friend, I don't know if you know him, Cyrus Davies. Uh, he is one of the most apathetic people I know. Mm-hmm. He, he hates both sides. Uh, he, he just detests uh, how partisan politics is, Would never never voted. And then he went to a better rally in Texas A&M. And for the first time in his life, he said he was excited to vote. And I think there are more people like Cyrus mm-hmm. who are going to vote, going to go to the ballot box um, to vote for Beto and end up obviously voting for down-ballot candidates. And I'm hoping it would have a trickle-down effect and we'll be electing Democrats across Texas. About um, political apathy, right? I was um, like talking to other people and... One of my friends went up to someone and he was like, you know, are you going to vote? And the guy's like, no, I don't really care about politics, right? And she's like, okay, cool. She just moved on. That right there, I feel, is a little bit wrong, right? Oh, yeah, These absolutely. are the people we need to be convincing. Like, yeah. Like you just said, how, what is, is it campaigning or what exactly, what do you think is a specific approach, if there is one, to get a person cynical about politics to actually care and to actually register to vote? Well, you, you can... Drag them to a campaign rally. I did that with a lot, a lot of my friends. Uh, like, hey, this guy is speaking. Beto is really cool. You should go, you know, look at him, what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And people get convinced that way. Uh, for me, personally, it's like telling my story. Like, hey, I am not even an American, but I'm so involved in your political process because I care about where this country is headed, right? right. If an immigrant like me cares, there's no reason for you to not care. I'm not even a citizen. Um, so it, it's like telling people that you know you don't care about politics politics cares about you uh whatever happens in america in government affects all of us like i remember i had this conversation with my friend a year ago almost and he's like why should i vote like why do i care about uh voting for the president like i don't really it's not gonna affect me i said well what's your major he said um i'm an engineer i was like okay uh so you realize that obama invested in solar energy right he mm-hmm. Uh, his administration specifically propped up clean energy uh, and has made huge strides in the solar energy sector. He said, yeah. And I was like, well, you realize that because of these actions, you could end up one day getting a job in this industry because of Obama's policies, right? right? And that struck him. Like, he was like, oh, shit, you're right. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, being able to connect that to a more personal level, I think that works. Because the key is, of course, just talk to people. Yeah, not, don't not give just, up on people. Not just, just, not yeah, be like, oh, you don't care? Okay, that's fine. Most of you don't care. It's okay. No, no, no. Because the statistic exists because of people who don't care. Mm, you know? Exactly. Um, so, on a personal note, um, to end this, who is your political idol and why? So, I have two political idols right now. Um, one of them is Narendra Modi, the Prime Minister of India. Mm-hmm. Um we both come from a similar background, as in of RSS uh, and BJP. My family's been super involved with all that stuff. And I know, I've met, so he, Modi was a pracharak or a full-time volunteer for RSS for like 17 years before he became chief minister of Gujarat. Um, and I've met pracharaks or full-time volunteers like him all my life. And they are some of the most incredible people you will ever meet. Um, and knowing that he's come from this background um, gives me some reassurance that he knows what to do and how to get things done sure you can be critical of his policies you should be 
but he's someone who has transformed the nature of the Indian government. He has right. made it more uh, streamlined, made it more efficient, completely changed the mindset of people working in government, mm-hmm. right? Like, he used to always say, we've got to change this chalta uh, attitude, you know, everything goes attitude. Mm-hmm. We've got to make it a badal sakta hai attitude. We can change it attitude, right? Um, so being that kind of leader, someone who can inspire people to work harder, uh, someone who can tell people that, hey, you've got a cause greater than yourself, that's the kind of leader I aspire to be, right? And Narendra Modi is a prime example of that. Um, and obviously, my other political idol right now is Beto O'Rourke. Uh, this guy, I don't know how he did it. He's convincing the most stringent Republicans to vote for him, and I think it's incredible. Because mm-hmm. when you have a campaign message of you know bringing together Texans, no matter who you are, um, and having the, the, the genuineness and the compassion to back it up, um, I think that's a really powerful thing, and I think we need more leaders like Beto O'Rourke who are not intent on dividing up people, which you see on both sides of the political aisle. Like Elizabeth Warren, she's like, oh, we're going to win, screw all the Republicans. <laughs> and then you have everybody else on the Republican side, oh, screw the Democrats, they're idiots. But you have Beto right in the middle who says, I don't care who you are, we're going to exactly. work for policies that better all of us. Um, and I think that's the kind of leader leaders we should have and I cannot wait to see him run for president <laughs> um, um, I'm really excited for him and I, I hope to God he wins um, but yeah those are my political I idols. think that's the message I think that is the same people who voted for Trump right the same people for voted for Obama not everybody is yeah a racist. there's exactly there's this people who voted for Obama and then voted for Trump people ultimately are voting for their livelihood Right, mm-hmm. they're voting for what can this candidate do for me? You mm-hmm. know, so that's where I think a lot. And that's my frustration with the left. I have spoken. I don't know if you follow my Twitter, but I've spoken out quite a few I've times. I've seen those tweets. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I'm frustrated that the left is so intent on uh, demonizing mm-hmm. um, conservatives and right wing people that they don't really realize that these people can be convinced. That these people can be convinced right. to vote for Beto if you speak to them in a civic. Like civic setting, like you, you don't yell at them. You don't tell mm-hmm. them that they are yep. the spawn of the devil. You tell them that hey, we're all Americans. Uh, we all got ultimately the same interests at heart, um, and here are the things that we can do together. Out of all, you know, uh, the one takeaway I think this election cycle, what would you say it would be? Of this election cycle, yes. um, people listen when you talk to them. Uh, so working for Sri. Uh, we targeted voters, the Asian population in our district, which is one of the largest in America, about 20%. Mm-hmm. Uh, these people have never been spoken to. These Republicans have taken their political apathy for granted, right? They say, oh, they're not going to come out and vote. Uh, they're not going to do anything. Just, they don't really have a political voice. They're not, gonna, they're not engaged. Um, and Sri has changed that. He is specifically reached out to all these voters in every single language that you can imagine. You know, you're from India. Mm-hmm. India has... So many languages, and all these Indians coming here, they have all their native languages, Gujarati, Malayali, Hindi, Tamil, Telugu, and we are phone banking in every single one of those languages. Like, I'll give you an example. Um, I called a voter up, um, and his English was kind of broken, mm-hmm. and I switched to Hindi. I was like, hey, uh, started speaking Hindi, I told him, told him about all these events that are coming up, and initially he had said, no, I don't want to go, and I spoke in Hindi, I was like, okay, I'll be there. It ch- changes everything. If you speak to people, um, and know that they're just people um it works they listen people they, listen people listen, people right. listen. i think that's another thing yeah you, you can't just write off people because they're not going to vote or they don't count because 
If you reach out to people, it works. And another thing, I don't know if you've ever seen The West Wing. Have I ever seen The West you've Wing? You've seen The West oh Wing? Okay, gosh, I've seen it about my three favorite times. show of all time. <laughs> Actually, I stopped watching. I was like more than halfway through the show, and I stopped watching it after Trump's election because I couldn't bear to see this incredibly, I almost idealistic Fantasy. presidency. Right. Uh, and then <laughs> Trump is holding <laughs> Oval Office. I just couldn't bear myself to watch it. So I'm like more than halfway through, but definitely my my favorite show of all time. One of the things they said, I think they said in the season two, Charlie, um, he says basically that. I think it was no it was CJ. She says we treat voters like they're dumb come election cycle. Yeah, but we don't realize that they they are listening. They want to listen. For some reason, we still yeah. treat voters like they're stupid. I think that's that that line is great. You know. Yeah. And I think it's it's very um, it it represents what happened. Yeah. And I think I do think after twenty sixteen things are changing. Yeah. You know, I, I I truly and I feel like again this is maybe I'm gonna be optimistic. I feel like we're gonna be okay. Yeah, you know, I definitely think fighting, we're gonna be okay. I, I genuinely feel like we're gonna be okay. As long as, as long as we listen to each other, yeah, that's the key to like. Yeah, I mean, this sounds a little bit mushy, but I truly feel like that's what that's what this is. Completely agree. Just need to listen. It's the fact that um, the loudest voices are the ones on the extreme ends of both sides. Sixty mm-hmm. percent um, of America is right in the middle. They are. They do not want the madness that you're seeing from both sides, and I think. Speaking to this population is what's going to win the Democrats the presidency in 2020 and win us our midterms in 2018. So. All right, let's, let's get to it then. Thanks for be- coming to this, man. Thanks Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This was a fun time, me. probably I think one of the most interesting yeah. <laughs> this was fun. I've had on this podcast. Um, all right, cool. Mm-hmm.